my name is Daryl Temple. This is my beautiful wife, Bethany. And we actually are fortunate to pastor this group of people. But not only are we fortunate to pastor this church, uh, we are also fortunate to have a very special person in our midst. But before we get there, we want to acknowledge something yeah. As well. So we have a guest speaker today. For those of you that don't know, um, all across America today, uh, churches will be recognizing and honoring Sanctity of Life Sunday. Um, and so that might be new for some of you. But what we also are aware of is tomorrow, all across America, we as a nation will be recognizing and honoring Martin Luther King Day. Um, and so this is what I want to challenge our community with. First and foremost, for both of these things that we'll be recognizing and honoring, there's biblical precedence. Yes. And the biblical precedence is this, is first and foremost, God is the creator of all life. Come on. Amen. From the womb to the tomb, <laughs> all life, every breathing thing ha- that he has created man in his own image. Amen. And so regardless of how small the life is within the womb, regardless of the color of the life's skin, regardless of any of those things, God values humanity. He loves humanity. Amen. He has a passion Amen. for life. You can and clap so for that. It's okay. Pastor Dave is going to get into more of the biblical t- context for this, but I want to address something that I find very peculiar, and it's actually, I feel like it's increasing with years, is that to some degree we live in a very um, odd political yes. and cultural yes. climate yes. where somehow the issue of justice Come for on. both of those, justice for the unborn and justice for our brown That's and right. our black brothers and That's sisters, right. somehow there has been created like an enmity of somehow you have to choose one or the other. Come on. That if you're for the unborn, that somehow that causes you to not be for your black and your brown brothers and sisters. Or that somehow if you're for your black and your brown brothers and sisters, that means that you're not for the unborn. And basically we've created this dialogue in our nation with wide, sweeping, broad generalities. And I want to encourage us as a community here today that you can burn for the heart of God for life from conception until natural death. And you can burn with the heart of God for every nation, every tribe, every tongue, and every people group. (laughs) And you don't have to choose this morning. Guess what? If you are actually someone that is desiring the heart of God, we should be growing in our understanding, our compassion, our empathy, and our concern for both of those issues. And so this is what I want to say to you today. Some of you, you're like, Sanctity of Life Sunday, what is that? And some of you probably maybe have the day off tomorrow, but you actually don't even fully understand why you do. (laughs) But Martin Luther King Jr., the reason we honor his life is because he gave his life to the toil and the labor of racial equality. Come on. And both of these issues are not only on the heart of God, they should be on the heart of the church. And so this is what I want to say to us, Hilltop. We will not be defined by cultural norms. That's right. Say that again, babe. Say that again. (laughs) 
the culture is not going to set the precedence for no, no, where no, no, we no. stand on issues of justice. Guess what? There is one person that gets to define those issues, Amen. and it is the man, Christ Jesus, and it is the one who is the Amen. creator Amen. of all mankind. And so we take our cues from him. We don't take our cues from a certain movement, a, right. a, a certain political agenda, a certain cause, or a certain crusade. We want to be biblically defined yes. people. And so I would encourage you today, we're going to hear from Pastor Dave Hill, and I would encourage you tomorrow, you take some time yeah. to look at the issue of racial justice in our nation, the work and the progress that Martin Luther King Jr. made, but the progress that is still yet to be made in our role on, in that. And so we have the honor of inviting a dear friend. I want to say this to you guys. Pastor Dave Hill is one of my heroes in the faith. You are. I came to Boston in 2006, and I had a dear friend, Linda Clark, and a dear friend, Jeff Marks. And when I told them I was going to start a house of prayer, I said, who are the pastors, who are the fathers in the city that I should contact? And both of them at the very top of their list was Dave Hill. <laughs> um, and this is what I want to say to you guys is, I mean, I've been here, what, 15 years laboring. He was here long before me. And last Sunday, if you were here, I preached a message on keep your lamps burning. So if there's anybody that we could look to Amen. as an example of how to yes. keep your lamps burning, that he has faithfully pastored Amen. in this city, and he has stood not only for the church in this city, I've joined many prayer meetings with him at the State House, but he's doing extraordinary work of fathering the churches in this city, and we are so honored to have you here with Come us on. today. He pastors Abundant Grace Church in Brighton, and I'm going to actually allow him to tell you more of his story and what he does and um, the assignments that God's given him, but you're going to pray yeah. for him. Can we put our hands together and, and welcome our dear friend? Can we grab this? No, 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 I'll grab it. Can you grab the podium? Come on up, Dick. We're going to pray for him, but you know what I find is um, we're going to pray for ourselves as well. You know, in mm. a time and a day where you didn't think like some of the things that Bethany was addressing in the beginning would be so controversial, and they have been, and especially in the church, it's really sad. Um, and so, um, you know, we as a church, meaning big church, global church, are never to shy away from controversy. You know, Jesus didn't. He spoke the truth. And, and we, by his grace, will also speak the truth. And so we're going to pray for our own hearts and our own ears to be open, to receive God's word. Amen. So, Father, we come before you. Yes, and we just do that. We, we position ourselves we want to hear truth today, God. We yes, are, 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 are full with Fox News and CNN and social media feeds, God. Now we want to be filled with your word, yes, the truth Lord. of scripture. And so God, yes, feed us Jesus. today. Use this Father in the faith to do such. Yes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Let me get this wiped off. Guess who gave that to me? <laughs> Bethany, right? She goes, Dave, you got to. She goes, you might not want to wear it everywhere. I'm like, yeah, I don't think so, but. Bethany, thank you for addressing the issue of Sanctity of Life Sunday and Martin Luther King. Can we say amen again to that? We can really have both of those in our heart. Um, I'm really happy to be here. So maybe it's a mutual admiration society. I really admire Daryl and Bethany. 
And uh, I was excited when Bethany came and started J-Hop. I want to read from Isaiah 9. And they asked me to speak on the sanctity of human life. And some of us, I'll get to this more a little bit later on, pray outside of Planned Parenthood every third Saturday. And so when I pray there with some others from our church, Lily was there Saturday in the pouring rain. Can we hear it for Lily? She got drenched. I pray every month for Hilltop Church and Justice House of Prayer. And the reason I pray for you guys is because the pro-life movement is historically run by Catholics and they're all getting older and they run, and I'm serious, there are people out there, sidewalk counselors are trying to talk to women going in, they're in their 70s, they're 80 years old. They raise money for crisis pregnancy centers. These people are literally dying and we need young men and women, like all of you, to take up the cause, and you have. So I pray for your success. I pray this church grows. I pray Justice House of Prayer grows. I pray your influence grows. I pray your ability to draw young adults into the, the vision that you carry as a body will grow. So, praise God. I'm happy your church is growing, right? You're doing two services before COVID, is that correct? Great. So may you outgrow this place. May you have to, it's always hard finding a new place in Boston. It's a real pain. But may you outgrow it. May you continue to attract young people because we need men and women of vision and men and women who are willing to, you know, put their money where their mouth is and get out there and live for the Lord. So Dara already prayed. Hallelujah. Father, I want to pray too. Help me, Lord, be your servant. Help me inspire faith in your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Isaiah 9, I'm going to read verse 2, then verses 6 and 7. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, upon them the light is shown. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us. The government will be upon his shoulders. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government and of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. When I pray for Boston, I like to pray verse 2. Lord, let the people here see your light. Amen? Let the light of Jesus shine into people's hearts and minds. But it goes on to say that the increase of his kingdom knows no end. And I want to say this because uh, I asked Lily, I said, how's it going with like the whole presidential? You know, it divides Christians sometimes. We cannot allow ourselves to be divided by politics. The kingdom of God advancing in our nation is not dependent upon who's president. It's dependent upon Jesus Christ and his followers loving him and obeying him. That will advance the kingdom in any nation of the world. There's no government that can stop the kingdom of God. Who knows what country in the world has the most Christians today? 
China. So what has the communist government tried to do the last 80 years in China? Stamp out Christianity. They failed. They estimate there's 120 million believers in China. And these people have a vision to take the gospel. It's called the Back to Jerusalem movement. And they want to take the gospel to Jerusalem via Muslim countries, preaching to all those nations, and then preaching the gospel in Jerusalem. That's pretty crazy. But I love it, right? I mean, they have the vision of God. So this is about pro-life. It's not about politics, okay? It's about what is on God's heart. And can I just give a praise to God? Because you guys have a heart for people to be saved, right? So in 2019, I've prayed for years and years. If we see a couple people saved, we're happy, you know, if you do a couple baptisms. In 2019, God allowed me to personally lead five people to Jesus. That's a record for me, right? Okay, so I'm really happy about it. There is a family from China visited our church. I did Alpha with them. They got baptized. My next door neighbor, I've known him for like 15, 18 years. We're friendly. We never go deep. It's always superficial. He came up to me a year ago in the summer and said, Dave, can you and I get together and talk? I'm sure like, sure, bro. Like, what's up? He goes, well, I'm in this relationship. I messed it up once, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to mess it up again. This time, I want God's will. I'm like, where did that come from? So we get together, and we're talking. I said, well, why don't we talk about your relationship with God first and your relationship with this woman? He goes, good idea. So I, sh- I told him how I became a Christian. He's like, that's good, Dave. I read John 3 to him. He goes, that's good, Dave. I, just, I spent almost an hour witnessing to this guy. I'm like, Tony, I'm kind of doing all the talking. He goes, no, Dave, you're doing good. You're doing good. So at the end, he's like, do you think, like, maybe I should, you know, you went at that, you went up and, like, prayed, you know, about Jesus. Do you think I should do something like that? I go, yeah, sounds good to me. Isn't that crazy? So God's working. How many of you know Zenzo? Okay. In 2019, I talked to Zenzo. They baptized 98 people that year. And I've been in Boston since 1989. I've never heard of that number of people being baptized in any church. So God's moving. Okay. So pro-life, not politics. We just celebrated Christmas, the incarnation. Okay, so John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word, what? Was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. And everything, this earth we stand on, came into existence through Jesus. That's a crazy thing to believe, but we believe it. And then verse 14 says, the word became flesh. Or the word, Jesus, became human. That's amazing. The creator came into his creation to bring it back to order and to save us. How did Jesus, our Lord, come into this world? He didn't come as a great king. He didn't didn't just like appear like an angel, you know, angels appear. He didn't appear just as a man. He didn't appear as a boy, or he didn't come as a baby, even though it's baby Jesus. He was conceived just like you and me in the womb of his mother. 
we have to like let that sink in. The creator God was conceived in a virgin's womb. How did God do that? <laughs> Laying aside his glory, kind of reducing himself to be one, become one of us. It's awesome. Since Jesus himself came into our world at conception, we value life from conception to death. David had this understanding, Psalm 139. He said, you knit me together in my mother's womb. Let me read the whole thing so I get it right here. Actually, you're going to put it up. Okay, here we go. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Next verse. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. So David's saying, God knit me together in my mom's womb. Every child, wanted or unwanted, planned or unplanned, is still knit together by God in his or her mother's womb. Do any of you have uh, Steve Green's kids CDs, hide them in your heart? Not many of you. If you have children, you should buy that. He puts scripture to songs, catchy songs. And one is, you knit me together in my mother's womb. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you. I praise you. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Hallelujah. Every one of us. Jeremiah 1.5. This is God speaking to Jeremiah after he's alive. Before I formed you. Who formed him? God. I formed you in the womb. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. God says he formed Jeremiah in the womb. Let's look at John the Baptist and Jesus. If you read, you know, the Christmas story, Luke chapter 1. Mary's told by an angel that she's going to give birth. She says, how can I? I'm a virgin. Says the Holy Spirit will overshadow you or come upon you. So after Mary uh, hears all this, she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who's conceived and is six months pregnant. So in verse 39 of Luke 1, she arose and went in a hurry to the hill country to a city of Judah, entered the house of Zacharias, and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. She cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. How has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. That's a marvelous story. So here is... John the Baptist, six months along in his mother's womb, it was prophesied over him by his dad that he would be filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. Mary, with Jesus, maybe a week along or something, we don't know exactly, in her womb, when Jesus in Mary comes into the presence of Elizabeth, Elizabeth gets filled with the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist gets filled with the Holy Spirit. 
So they're connecting with each other while they're in their mother's womb. That's why we're pro-life. That's why this is an important issue. If God came into our world this way, and if he can fill a child with the Holy Spirit at six months, how can we, how can we possibly abort them and end their lives? In Massachusetts, it's entirely legal to abort babies up to 24 weeks. That's what John was. And then until birth, if the health of the mother is considered at risk or in danger. So that means that if she is emotionally distraught over being pregnant, she can abort her baby. There are about 18,000 abortions in Massachusetts last year. And here's something, I just think about this sometimes. At Brigham and Women's Hospital, esteemed great hospital, that's where they do late-term term abortions. That's where they also have, you know, the prenatal ward. The earliest prematurely born child that's still alive was 21 weeks. That's very rare. 22 weeks, 23 weeks, it's very hard to save those children. Then 24, now they are like very successful at saving those children's lives. So in one wing, we're aborting children at 24 weeks and down the hall, we're trying to save them. That's schizophrenia. That is scarily irrational. The life of the child is totally based on whether the mother or father want the child or not. Some of you may have grown up not being very wanted, but praise God you're alive. Praise God Jesus found you and rescued you. I, I mean, I was thinking about this. I looked at statistics. It looks like there were 6,000 late-term abortions a year. Imagine if some de demonically crazed man went into a daycare and murdered like six babies. What would happen? Front page headlines. Oh my gosh, can you believe that happened? What if there was this satanic plot and people all around the United States went and they killed 6,000 babies in a year. The whole country would be what? In shock. Like, when's this going to happen? When's this going to stop? Oh my gosh, they're killing babies. Do you see what I mean? Yet, abortion has become so commonplace, it doesn't move us. We've become inured to it. It's it's like, well, just happen. there's nothing we can do about it. As a nation, we have become hardened in our conscience. We've accepted as normal what is reprehensible. My observation is that while many young adult Christian men and women may agree that abortion's wrong, it's not really a big deal to them. Is that accurate? I don't want to be judgmental here. It's that way. It's my generation has brought this all upon us. Trust me, I am not looking down on the younger generation. Baby boomers brought the whole sexual revolution, so to speak, which has wrecked our nation. I want to say this. 
It may not be a big deal to us, but it's a big deal to God. And that's what I'm praying. Can we allow it to be a big deal to us? Can we get God's heart? Genesis 4, 10 and 11. Right early on, after, you know, human beings are brought into the world, what happened? Cain kills Abel. Look what God says. The Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Wow, that's a powerful statement. Now you're cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood. Innocent blood being shed curses the ground. And there's a lot of anger frustration over someone like George Floyd being murdered. It's innocent blood. Cries to God from the ground. Sometimes I wonder how God sees our country. Because on the one hand, he says he will judge nations that shed innocent blood. On the other hand, Abraham says, God, if you can find 10 righteous, will you spare the city? And so, I don't understand how all that works. I intentionally don't get into the people who are predicting judgment or predicting this or that. All I know is it's serious. It feels like we can't change it. Do you ever feel that way? Like this is getting worse, right? The immorality of our nation just keeps getting worse. Do you know in Somerville, they passed a law this past year for polyamory so three people can be married. I'm not making this up. They recognize three-person marriage. See, that's craziness. That's not a marriage. We must never give in to the idea that it can't change. We must never give in to that idea. If Satan can deceive like a whole nation and get it to believe the opposite of what God's word teaches, the living God can give us repentance and a change of thinking back to what he says. And that's what we have to pray for. That's why I love your ministry, because you pray for awakening. This isn't going to happen apart from a spiritual awakening. We can outlaw Roe versus Wade. Nothing changes in Massachusetts. So politics alone, it's good to stand up in politics. Don't get me wrong. I thank God that Mr. Trump was pro-life. But that will not solve the problem. It's a hard problem. It's a truth problem. What is truth? Remember, Jesus said, you know, he came to bring truth, and Pilate goes, well, what is truth? That's a good question. And we have the answer. Jesus is truth. What God says is true. And so we, that's where we live. I'd like to read what Mother Teresa in 1994, at a National Day of Prayer breakfast, said about abortion. She said this, but I feel the greatest destroyer of peace is abortion because it is a war against the child, a direct killing of the innocent child, murder by the mother herself. 
And if we accept that a mother can kill even her own child, how can we tell other people not to kill one another? That's so profound. How do we persuade a woman not to have an abortion? As always, we must persuade her with love. And we remind ourselves that love means to be willing to give until it hurts. Jesus gave even his life to love us. So the mother who is thinking of abortion should be helped to love, to give until it hurts her plans or her free time, to respect the life of her child, that the father of that child, whoever he is, must also give until it hurts. By abortion, the mother does not learn to love, but kills even her own child to solve her problems. And by abortion, the father is told that he does not have to take any responsibility at all for the child he's brought into the world. The, father, the father's likely to put other women into the same trouble. Can we say amen to that? So we need to reach out to men and give a message like, if you impregnate a woman, you're responsible for that child. That's a message that only Christians can utter right now. Nobody thinks that way. We're going to switch. Thank you. So abortion just leads to more abortion. Any country that accepts abortion is not teaching its people to love, but to use any violence to get what they want. This is why the greatest destroyer of love and peace is abortion. Very sobering. Let me read another statement to you. Again, this is, this is kind of painful, all right? So I'm not trying to be at all lighthearted in reading these things. Uh, my friend John Enzer, I gave a presentation last time, a PowerPoint, and I was using his message. He asked the question, is abortion a form of child sacrifice? When people elect to have or pay for an abortion or let it go unchallenged in order to save the reputation, get a college degree, save money, hide sexual sin, or to please others, they are sacrificing one thing to get another. The most painful truth of abortion is that it deceives us into doing what, in our right minds, we would be horrified to have even suggested as a solution. Afterwards, guilt and Satan bind us in secret shame and regret, or I might add, in hardening our conscience. See, we're, we're choosing, we're sacrificing one thing for another. I'm going to hit on this again, but I have to say it right now. We believe there's forgiveness for abortion. It's not the unpardonable sin. There's lots of women sitting in Christian churches who've had abortions, men and women who've helped women have abortions. And they, feel, they may feel guilty about it. If they don't feel guilty, they actually should because guilt can enable us to repent and confess to God and be forgiven. Until we're able to own up to what we've done, God's forgiveness is, doesn't mean much. It has no power. 
The power is when we realize, I can't believe I did that. And then you come to a point like, I can't believe God wants to forgive me for doing that. That's the power of the gospel. That's what we preach. Okay, what's our response? Proverbs 24, verses 11 and 12. Rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling. Can we get to the next one? I'm having trouble reading it all. I'm going to move this way, sorry. I want to read the same translation you're getting. If you say, behold, we did not know this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? Will he not repay man according to his work? Does God pay people according to their work? Do we reap what we sow? Yes, we do. Does he not repay us according to our work when we put our faith in Jesus? Yes, we can be forgiven. God expects us to rescue people who are being taken away to death. That's why there has to be a voice for justice. There has to be a voice. That should be a Christian voice. So what can you do? You can pray. Praise God you have a prayer-oriented ministry. Your prayer has power. So keep praying. You can come and pray with us at Planned Parenthood. There's something powerful about being a witness where abortion is happening, and you're kind of just standing there saying, this is wrong. There's a woman who owned an abortion clinic. She became a Christian. She repented of doing abortion. She said this, if just one pro-life person came and prayed outside their clinic, it upset everything inside. Isn't that interesting? See, because there's this reminder, no, what you're doing here is wrong. It's evil. And so we're just here to pray against that. So we're not angry. We're not yelling at people. We're just there to pray. There are sidewalk counselors. These are men and women who actually try and talk to people going into the clinic. Very difficult job because 90% of people don't want to talk to you. But praise God for maybe the 10% who do stop and talk to you, and then some of those actually change their minds. There's a, a woman who's a friend of mine. Her name's Eleanor McCullen. She's now like 80-something years old. She became a born-again Christian at age 65. She's Catholic. She told me, she goes, yeah, I used to look up my watch. Oh, when, when's Mass going to be over? And, you know, you thought I was a great Catholic grandma, but I was just bored. She was at a Catholic service with a guy named Father Tom DiLorenzo, who's a charismatic Catholic priest. The Holy Spirit came on her at one of his meetings, and she started weeping uncontrollably. Isn't that cool? 65 years old. So she knew something happened. She just found herself wanting to, like, follow Jesus. She went up to him and said, what should I do? He goes, well, you should go down and start praying outside an abortion clinic. <laughs> Brand new Christian. She's like, I don't think I can do that. She went there. She prayed for a while. One day, the sidewalk counselors didn't come. And she's like, they said to her, maybe you could talk to someone going in. She's like, oh, I'm scared. I can't do that. So she's out there praying, praying. A couple went in, and the guy came out, and she got up her courage to go talk to him. 
She goes, do you mind if I talk to you? You know, this is like your grandma, right, talking. She's like, okay. And just she thought, do you know when a baby's heart starts beating? He goes, I don't know, six months? She goes, no, six weeks. He's like, really? And she asked him another question like that. He's like, oh, my gosh. She goes, why don't you go back in and tell her to come out? He did, and she did. Eleanor, I don't have an exact count. I'm guessing like two or 300 children are alive today because of Eleanor. She's, a, she's anointed. Praise God. So that's something you can do. Why do we stand outside of Planned Parenthood? 35% of all abortions in America are done at a Planned Parenthood center. In Massachusetts, I just read this this morning, it's 50%. Now, another thing we can do, it's not enough to protest something and say it's wrong. We have to come alongside women who find themselves being pregnant and they didn't want to be. They are scared, they are feeling overwhelmed, they may not even want to have an abortion, but they feel like they don't know what else they can do. And they may have a boyfriend telling them to get abortion. They may have parents saying, if you don't abort that baby, we find this all the time. So my friend John Enzer, who I quoted, about 30 years ago started something called a woman's concern, which is now called Your Options Medical. It's great. We are a licensed medical center. Praise God. Because that means we can do ultrasounds. So we have a center in Revere, Fall River, Sturbridge, and we have a mobile unit that can do ultrasounds. It started at a center in Dorchester. We closed that center like four or five years ago because it got very expensive for one thing, and not many women were coming there. When women are given a free pregnancy test and a free ultrasound, which is what we do, about 60% of them who are thinking they want to have an abortion, when they see their baby, change their mind. So doing an ultrasound is the most significant thing we can do to help women change their minds. Okay? So we're doing that. It's very, it takes a lot of effort and money. We have to hire nurses. We have to get doctors who view the ultrasounds. We have to train people. We, we have three centers where we have to pay rent but it's worth it. We had our 25th anniversary a few years ago. We did a scroll. They did the names of 2,500 children who are alive through our ministry. 2019, our ministry is getting better. We have people who are really good at advertising online and doing splash pages. 160 women change their mind. We target abortion-minded women. We're trying to reach people who think they want to have abortion or have made up their mind to have an abortion and see if we can change their mind. Does that sound like a good thing? Yeah, yeah thank you. So that's new. Uh, that's your options medical. A lot of pregnancy centers are not medical centers, so they can't do ultrasounds. So this ultrasound mobile unit, like it's like a big RV, so we can send that to other pregnancy centers and let them use it so they can do ultrasounds on women who are their clients. Finally, in this vein, we are opening a new center in 
Boston. Actually, it's in Brookline. It's on the C line. It's between uh, Kenmore Square and Coolidge Corner. We tried to do this a year ago, and when the people found out who we were, they said, no way, we don't want to rent to you. This time around, we went to a medical building again. It turns out the doctor owning the office is a Catholic OBGYN doctor, and she's thrilled. And she's connecting us with other Catholic doctors, and we've raised already like $50,000. We need like $170,000 to open this clinic, to have it open, because we have to have people there like four or five days a week. So we're on the way. I have a vision for a pro-life night called a worship night for life. I've drawn Daryl and Will into this idea. Daryl joked and said, like, Will and I couldn't attract mice to a ring of cheese or something like that. And I disagree. You can attract Hilltop and Joseph House of Prayer. And I'm going to get a Catholic band, and we're going to try and get the Catholic side of Christianity to come together for worship night, but also to do a fundraiser for your options medical. So does that sound like a good idea? So we get people together, and we raise money for a great cause. So I need to close. We have a post-abortion ministry. There's a woman in our ministry, Joanne McDuffie. You should invite her to come preach sometime. She had an abortion. She just buried it. And it came back to her like 15 years later. And the pain and anguish that she felt, the depression, led her to Christ. So she just has a powerful story. It's called Hope Rising. And so she does Bible study and kind of group counseling for women who've had abortions. Do you know how many women are in churches who've had abortions? There's thousands and thousands. So this is a very important ministry because we want to be able to minister to those women. And the last scripture is Hebrews 12, 24. And it talks about the blood of Jesus. And it says that we come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, praise God, to the sprinkled blood which speaks better than the blood of Abel. What does the blood of Abel say? Justice. He killed me. What's the blood of Jesus say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And I feel that. As strong as I am about speaking about abortion, I realize people don't know what they're doing. They've been taught their whole lives it's okay to have sex with anybody they want, anytime they want. And this is what you do if you get pregnant. That's what they've been taught. They don't know any better. We can make a difference. Amen? Okay. Lily, if you want to pray at Planned Parenthood, contact Lily. If you want more information about your options medical, I'm going to put it on Lily again. She can communicate with me, and we'll get you involved. Okay, let me pray. Father God, I thank you so much for brothers and sisters who would listen to this message. I thank you their hearts are already in this place. But Father, for some that this is new or it feels like a jolt or too strong, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, we need you to speak these things to us and write them on our hearts and minds. Father, let Hilltop and Justice House of Prayer see the answer to their prayers in Jesus' name. Fulfill their petitions, honor their fasting, honor their prayers, 
Honor their vision, Lord. Let them live to see it come to fruition in their lifetime, I pray. In my lifetime, hallelujah. And we pray for those who've been involved in abortion that they would believe that your grace is greater than their sin. Jesus, that you will forgive any sin from a contrite heart. We love you for that. We pray these things in your name, and we do what we do to honor you. And all God's people said, amen. Put your hands together, yes. Thank you, Pastor Dave, for your boldness. We'll take that, yeah, absolutely. And your courage to stand up here and proclaim God's word. Um, you know, as Pastor was speaking, I, I was like, wow, this is a heavy Sunday, isn't it? Um, but immediately I started to think, you know, what if we walked into the church that Jesus was pastoring? What would be his sermon on Sunday? Or what would be Paul the Apostle's sermon? Um, and I guess I just want to place that thought here just to think about, because I, I, I sometimes wonder if we as pastors are actually, um, you know, declaring the word that God wants us to declare. Are, are we just trying to play it safe? And so I never wanted as a pastor to build a church that plays it safe, you know, just kind of steer away from the issues and kind of, oh, don't talk about that. That's no, it's not necessarily our goal here. And so thank you for your courage and, and your boldness to bring God's word to us this morning. Yeah. yeah and, you know, in closing, I, I actually do want to remind us, it is a Martin Luther King Jr. Yes. quote that says, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Come on. And oftentimes in our carnality, it's easy for us to classify what we prefer. Come on. Like for some of us, you know, we're comfortable with yeah. the issue of abortion and fighting for justice there, but then we're not looking at other issues of injustice for the minorities um, or vice versa. But I, I want all of us to really um, take those words to heart of understanding what that means is, is that if the violence against the unborn in our nation doesn't directly affect you or you don't feel the effects of it upon your life, it does not mean that that injustice is not a threat to you as well, meaning it is a threat to the living, the breathing of humanity. And so for you as well, if the threat of violence against our black and brown brothers and sisters does not affect you directly and you don't feel the implications of it, that injustice is a threat to you as well and to all of humanity if we don't stand up for those that are oppressed, if we don't stand up for the weak, if we don't stand up for those without a voice. And I, I, I do want, I love that Pastor Dave even touched on the fact that those women that have had abortions, because first and foremost, we know that God is a God of redemption, that all of us have sin in our lives, all of us have transgressed, and that he's a God of mercy. And so there is no judgment. We all stand at the cross and the ground at the cross is level. But one thing I do want us to make note of is oftentimes we see this issue of abortion as somehow it's a service to women. That somehow all, all that will, you know, we get into the conversations about poverty and the quality of life of children. Can I just say to you this morning that it, abortion itself is not only violence against the unborn, it is violence against women. 
because they are not educated to understand the long-term emotional, physical, mental, psychological effects of those things. And there are very real effects upon those women. And I want to say as a community, there is an adoption movement that the church is increasing in understanding. And we ourselves have been in such a long process of adoption that we know children in the U.S., it is not easy to adopt. It is not easy to adopt at all. <laughs> There's challenges and hardships. And so instead of making up excuses and beginning to justify arguments of why certain things are acceptable, we need to take God at his word and we have to wrestle with the outcome and the consequences and the translation of those things rather than looking to adjust God's word to our circumstance and what is comfortable to us. And so I want us all to meditate upon that. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere and begin to just ask the Lord what that means and how it is that you as a believer can become a voice for the voiceless. Amen. Well, we know we've kept you a long time and but we'd like to close with just another word of prayer. Um, these things are tricky, right? Uh, they're never easy to navigate through these topics. Um, so let's ask the Lord to fill in the blanks, places where we don't understand and um, we need understanding. And so, Father, I, I thank you. I thank you for this moment and I, I thank you for the word that we heard and um, how Pastor David has eloquently, but yet with a father's heart, spoken and, and given us your word and your truth. Now, we leave this place to process, God. We know, Lord, that there's still a work that needs to be done within our hearts, Lord. And, and so we trust you, Holy Spirit, to continue that work, that you would continue to open and, and reveal to us the truth. Uh, God, that we might follow it and that we might adhere to it, but we would also proclaim it, God, and not be scared nor ashamed too. So Father, we, we ask, Lord, that Holy Spirit, you would continue a work within us. And, and, and the topics and, and the scriptures that we talked about uh, today, Lord, that you would continue to work those things out within our souls and within our minds, God, that we too might be led to truth, stand for truth. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, church, we love you. Have a great Sunday, and uh, we look forward to seeing you next. Um, again, just want to make sure that we're abiding by some of the COVID uh, rules. We have to exit these doors or uh, the, the, the back door here. Jungsu just opened the doors there, but we cannot exit that door. We can enter, but we cannot exit. So we're going to exit through these double doors. Um, be blessed. And again, if you want more information about our church and want to get some emails and such, feel free, you know, um, uh, take advantage of some of those um, uh, cards. I don't know. My wife's talking in my right ear. I don't know. And you can see Lily um, for information about the prayer gatherings at Planned Parenthood. All right. We love you guys. Be blessed. Have a great weekend.